Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. I hope everybody is safe and sound and hunkered down, kind of like I'm doing, and we need to do that. We need to be safe and secure and healthy during this crazy time in our in our lives, uh, unprecedented time in our lives, but to defeat this virus, we need to be, stay diligent. We need to stay committed to each other. We need to, we need to commit to staying inside and what do they call it? Social distancing. We have to defeat this thing. Joining me on the podcast this week, and I'm so excited about it, is uh, my very good friend Bruce Hornsby, one of the most talented, if not the most talented, pianist and musician, producer, arranger, you name it. This guy can do it all, and he works with. He works with everybody. Works with Spike Lee, works with Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan, uh, Don Henley, Dave Matthews Band, on and on and on. He even performed with Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. And he uh, does a lot of concerts on his own. He started out with Bruce as Bruce Hornsby in The Range and now Bruce Hornsby in The Noisemakers. And as I said, one of my favorite people, but certainly one of my favorite performers. I I have a lot of his music on my iPad and a lot of my, my personal favorite playlists for all occasions during the day, whether I'm practicing hitting balls or I'm trying to go to sleep at night, I'm trying to fade away. And whether it's uh, his huge hit the way it is or something that I always used whenever I had a bad round of golf or a bad tournament, one of his hit songs is called The Show Goes On. And it really it struck me how it's important to keep putting one foot in front of the other as you pursue your goal. And one of my personal favorites, it's a Grateful Dead song, and if you've never heard it, it's called Standing on the Moon, and it is, uh, it's a powerful song, it really gets me. So sit back, enjoy listening to Bruce Hornsby, and we'll, we'll talk to you next week. But again, be safe, love each other, be kind to each other, because that is what is needed at a time like this. Thanks for doing this. Uh, yeah. My daughter, Amy, she edits all this. So you can say, well, first of all, say hi to Amy. She'll hear this when she when she logs on to get it. But um, uh, right, the golden voiced Amy. How's it going, the, Amy? <laughs> the golden voice. <laughs> yes, we started doing this about a year ago. And it's fun because it's uh, you can say things like and all that. And oh, Amy no. will just go through and zip it out. <laughs> 
<laughs> so sometimes that sometimes those words are the key words <laughs> uh, of a sentence that you know. Like if you say, you say, "Oh, that guy, he's real shit." You take the shit out, and you got. Well, that guy's a real, and then blank, and then you go. Well, what is that? What happened there? So, and people are oh, wondering. Sorry. People are wondering. What did he really say? Did he say? Yeah, that what guy's is really exactly. cool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Well, that's kind of good. Creates a little mystery about our conversation. So I'll try to throw a couple of those non sequiturs out. It'll really flummox everyone. <laughs> well, you, you. Uh, this is interesting. I texted you from. I texted you a picture of Rick Carlisle and I last two weeks. Well, actually, what was it two weeks now? I was yeah, in Dallas. Picture, right? I was yeah. in Dallas for the kickoff luncheon yeah. for the AT&T Byron Nelson, the PGA Tour event, which is unfortunately now canceled. But I was at the yeah. game between Dallas and Denver, and we had hung out a little bit with Rick before the game, and then we hung out afterwards. But during the game in the third quarter, Rick found out that the season – was canceled and uh, yes. they had a picture. Mm-hmm. They they shoot they showed Cuban Mark Cuban the owner on yes on right. ESPN yes. He was and I asked apoplectic yeah. while seeing the yeah mm-hmm. can can you uh, can you imagine doing a concert and having somebody run on stage and say oh yeah well your 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 shows are canceled while yeah. you're trying yeah. to play and perform the closest thing to that is this is a, a classic okay so we're playing in Phoenix downtown Phoenix outdoors in sort of some big city square area, and we're playing the concert. And the promoter, a guy named Danny Zalisco, I'd known for years, long-time Phoenix area promoter, I'm playing away, and Danny Zalisco comes sort of close to me, uh, behind me on the stage, and he says, Bruce! And I'm just blowing him off. You know, I just say, man, he keeps going, Bruce! And uh, finally, he just kept doing this. Finally, I said, I just... I kept playing sort of while turning to him and get, I said, what? Michael Jordan just retired. <laughs> and I went, you, what, what, why did you do this? <laughs> why did you come on stage and in, in, interrupt mid-song, mid-whatever I was doing, mid-improvisation to say that? It was just a classic moment, and for some reason, that remind your your tale reminded me of this. <laughs> well, it goes yeah, to show you what goofy. Danny thought. Of, first of all, of Michael Jordan. Uh, yeah, and, and how little little he respected me. <laughs> I was just going to go there, but I'll let you do yeah. that. Yeah, well, right. you and I, you and I met. You and I met uh, actually through our our pal Huey Lewis. In fact, I'm not sure you remember this, but Huey and oh, Huey was doing a show in Portland, and Bruce Hornsby yeah, and, and we were, the opening. were opening. Right. Yeah, that's right. And, I remember and meeting Huey, you. Actually. Yeah, Huey had walked. Uh, we were backstage with Huey, and he said, yeah. I've got to introduce you to my pal Bruce Hornsby, because I knew of the of the, the world-famous uh, first song that you released, The Way yeah. It Is. Right. Yeah, and he said, you've got to meet this then. guy. This guy's the best guy in the world, and he's an athlete, and he's a, just a wonderful guy. And and uh, that that was really the start of our relationship, which yeah, has really right. grown yeah. and been strong for years. But mm-hmm. um, it, 30, it's 30, it's 30. really fun because Jan and I knew you and Kathy before you had, you had children, and you had twin yeah. boys, Keith <laughs> and Russell, and they right. both have turned out to be just – First of all, great kids. I've known them since they were born. But uh, t- tell us a little bit about about Keith and his NBA, uh, his NBA experience, and also Russell, 
who uh, is uh, he's down in L.A. now acting, but he ran track at my alma mater, the University, University of Oregon. Yeah, you got to know him really well because he kept he, he got hooked on your suite for football games and he couldn't stay away, and so he'd bring <laughs> his miscreants and sinners, his good pals from the Pigs Mansion, what they called their house, guys like Andre Idarefa Goyena, second string lineman, O-line guy for the Ducks, and uh, so you guys got to meet a bunch of his nutty friends and and got to know Russell real well. Uh, less so with Keith, but because uh, Keith was always out somewhere else doing whatever he was doing at that time. Uh, of course, he was playing at LSU. Uh, but yeah, so his experience, well, he doesn't have much of an NBA experience. Uh, he was always sort of, as they used to call in the, in the billboard charts, bubbling under the hot 100, you know, the, <laughs> Keith, was, yeah. Keith has been that guy. You know, they actually used to print in the '60s and '70s. They'd print, they'd print number 101 to 110, and that's <laughs> what they called bubbling under the hot 100. Uh, and there were some great titles. I remember looking at one time when I was there was Schmidt Florist, uh, where you bought also you bought your 45 records when I was a little kid in the mid '60s, and I, and it had Billboard there, and I for some reason would always look at that chart. And I would also look at bubbling under the hot 100, number 101 to one, numbers 101 to 110. And there was, uh, I will never forget this one great title that was probably about number 106 with an anchor. And it, it was a song called Somebody Stole My Dog. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a, I, I thought that was hilarious, even in sixth grade. Uh, but anyway, Keith was a bubbling under guy. He went to the Dallas, to the Mavericks camp. Uh, they, Rick invited him to the camp. He was always a fan of Keith's uh, from the time they played horse, and Keith beat him a couple of games out of five or six uh, when he was 10. And, you know, Rick Carlisle, he can shoot the ball. Rick Carlisle is a killer shooter. So I was watching this game where this 10-year-old and this killer shooter slash, coach slash shooter would, would just a game of make, 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 miss, make, make, you know, like that. So it was un- I wish I'd had it on film. It was an amazing. That sounds like my putting. Uh, that that was always my putting, make, 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 miss, make, make, Well, make. <laughs> I think that's absolutely true. That's why you won all those tournaments, including the United States Senior Open. So uh, but that's, that's a different conversation. We <laughs> can have right. about 20 of these conversations. Anyway, um, so right, he was invited to the camp. And uh, they, he played five preseason games for them, and he had one great game. We have a great a game, a Mavericks game ball that was given to him because he, he pretty much won a game against the Thunder for the Mavericks. Of course, not that anyone gives a rat's who wins a preseason game, but it was still sort of his high-water mark in that little time. And he had 12 points in 12 minutes and hit a couple of free throws at the end to win the game, blah, blah, blah. So that was great fun for him. But then he got cut along with four or five other guys. Uh, they had 20 guys in camp and kept his team, or maybe 21 guys. Uh, so he went to the Legends and spent three years there. And he, led, culminating in a great year last year where he led both leagues. You know, there are only two leagues in the world that shoot the long three, the 20. 22-9, 9 whatever it is. And uh, that's the NBA and its minor league, the G League. And he shot 49.1 last year, which led both leagues in three-point. Uh, wow. So, that's and ridiculous. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of ridiculous. And it's all the sites, all the G League sites, et cetera, other sites, basketball uh, aficionado sites were outing, this guy's going to get a call-up, this guy, blah, 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 blah. Well, he never got one. And uh, 
So that was uh, a bit deflating. And then the Portland Trailblazers uh, invited him to play summer league for them, and he went into their camp and was just wearing it out, just doing, just killing it. And uh, that his reward was they took him to Vegas and they just buried him for the whole week. He got in for maybe 17 minutes total in two games. So that was also deflating and also was sort of a, a sign. I basically said to him, you know, it, it appears to me, Keith, that the NBA is giving you the collective middle finger time to move on. And he it was, I wasn't telling him anything he didn't already know, of course. So he went to the, the D-League. I don't like the call. I'm not a big fan of the, the name, so I like the old. I like the polo grounds. I'm an old time. I guess I'm like Bill Walton or many people, old curmudgeons who, who, who uh talk about the great old days so sorry about that that's but i, I do I, i'm a d i call it i still call it the d league because the development league it's a good name you know it's, yeah it's, it's no what it they're is doing. it it's is what, they're trying to they're trying to do that but uh you know money talks and that's how it goes so that's fine but uh anyway time after three years in that league he went to europe and he he spent the year in poland and came out like a house of fire just killing for several months and uh then it kind of, kind of evened, out, evened out a little bit from there. But he had a very strong year and it should get a, a very solid job again this summer over there. So uh, he really enjoyed his time. He, he and his wife, Heidi, were there for because they start playing in September over there. The season starts first of October, but they have uh, preseason in September. So they were playing for a long time. The season just got uh got canceled like so much has been so uh, lately so so he's back now and actually they're here with us Heidi and Keith are here with us so that's the Keith story uh as quickly as this long-winded old geek can could could, could tell it to you <laughs> <laughs> now Russell is Russell and when Russell when I got to know uh, do you remember when when you you had a regulation basketball uh, a court in your uh, on your property in Williamsburg, Virginia, and when I was there playing at Kingsmill, Fluff yeah. and I would come play you and Keith full court. And Russell would be, yeah, that's and Russell right. would be, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, of course. We call it the Court of Dreams. It's still, we were out there yesterday. Keith and I were out there shooting around. Uh, so uh, uh, yeah, that, I remember it so well. Yeah, Mike Cowan, the legend, legendary Fluff, and he could was out shoot there. Fluff. People don't know Mike could, could shoot the three. He could shoot from outside. He could outside. shoot the three, and, and he could play, he could hit a golf ball too. I mean, he, he yeah. I went we went out and played with him, man. He could he had that quick, quick ass little swing, just bang, and he could just pop <laughs> off. Of so yeah, Fluff has Fluff has skills in many level on many levels, uh, many areas. Uh, so yes, Ru- Russell was Russell played basketball for years, but he he found his niche in the track world. Both boys were fast, uh, but Russell probably had something a little extra in that area, and uh, and got to run for the Great Oregon Ducks, the iconic program. It's like it's like the I always track tell capital people, of the world. Yeah, that's right, Track Town USA. I always tell people uh, Russell running for Oregon is like uh, like playing basketball for Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, or football for Alabama, or, or at this point LSU. i
the one thing about uh, fluff, which I'd love to have you tell the story for, uh, I don't know how many years you played <laughs> with, you played yeah, with, uh, on, you, you, you toured with Jerry Garcia, Bob Weir, uh, and yeah, the the, you tried mm-hmm. with the Grateful Dead. And as yeah. you know, Mike Cowan is the greatest deadhead in the history of deadheads. And you guys arranged for Mike to meet Jerry. Would you, would you tell that story? Well, yeah, it wasn't really arranging it. It just happened. It was just serendipitous that we were, Mike came back. Okay, I was, I was opening for the dead at Buckeye Lake. I think, well, no, maybe, okay, I played Buckeye Lake with the dead twice, so it's, it runs together a little bit to me. Uh, my first time playing there, Buckeye Lake is outside of Columbus, Ohio, and uh, obviously with Ohio State Buckeyes. And uh, we, I've, in 88, I opened for the dead. Our band, The Range, opened for the dead. And uh, maybe it was then, it was either then or 91 when I played there when I was playing in the band. I was touring with them uh, at that point uh, after their sad situation with Brent, Brent Midland died, their keyboard player, and they asked me to help them through the tough time post-Brent. And uh, so it, one of those years, 88 or 91, uh, Mike came to visit, visit me before the concert. So I'm, back, I'm there eating catering, and Mike comes back, and I'm not, he's just sitting there. I'm not sure he's eating anything. And uh, so we're sitting there, and then, but Garcia's sitting over there just very close to us at another table. And I said, hey, Mike, you want to meet Jerry? And he just, his eyes got big, you know. Oh, my God, Bruce, yes. <laughs> and uh, so I took him over, and you know, Garcia was very friendly and jovial, affable old old hippie that he was. Beautiful guy, miss him so much. And uh, and so right, Mike was uh, at a loss for words a bit. He was, of course, uh, <laughs> starstruck as hell or icon struck because I mean Garcia was a guy who meant a whole lot to Mike for a whole long time for for, for a whole lot of years. It had meant a lot to him. So. Yeah, that was really fun. Mike probably remembers it like it was yesterday, a little more in a little more detail, greater detail than I'm remembering it. But that's that's how it, it just it just it just happened because they both happened to be in the same place with a uh, a mutual friend. And so whenever I whenever I tell life. Fluff that whenever I tell Fluff you and I have spoken, and uh, he will he will stop and just close his eyes, lower his head, and shake his head. <laughs> And he will retell that story of you introducing him to Jerry Garcia yeah. and Mike having built up all this adulation for Jerry Garcia and all the questions that he might oh, want yeah. to ask him. He said, I bucked at the gate. I just, I didn't do a thing. I shook his hand and Bruce basically carried on the conversation between us. And then Jerry said, well, look, I've got to get ready to go on stage. Nice to meet you, Mike. And he turned around and walked away. <laughs> Mike. Well, that's right. And, and, and that's, it's just as well that Mike was sort of at a loss for words because uh, that's really not the place to go. Hey, Jerry, I've always wanted to ask you these. I've always <laughs> wanted to ask you these twenty-five questions that I, you know, like, oh well, wait a minute. This is I got to go do something here. <laughs> and so, right, that uh, it, it's just as well that would have been the right uh, situation. It worked out just. Just fine. I don't think Mike ever came later to have a second tête-à-tête with uh, with Jerry. I don't. I don't think he met him again. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was. I was. It was great to be able to do that for Mike because I knew how much it meant.
The newsmen in the city will criticize us. But man, let me tell you, it's a great show. Can't you see them coming? Let's get out of their way. The people are all talking. They can't wait to see them play. And when the tournament's over, Now, when I, back when I did my musical thing with Jake Trout and the Flanders, with Mark Lye and the late, great Payne Stewart, what I basically did was took popular songs and I rewrote them to golf lyrics. And I, you so graciously allowed us to do one of your great songs called uh, Defenders of the Flag. Yes, and I, I rewrote that to, call that to be... Best. What's that? I'm sorry. Yeah, you, yeah, attackers of the flag. I was just attackers say, you would, of the flag. The flag. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, then, and then one time in concert, when I was Jan, my wife and I were in attendance, and you're playing the song live, and you're obviously singing the correct lyrics. At one point, you started singing Jake Crown the Flounder lyrics. I had I, look. I, you know me. I'm loose. I just go with whatever's in my head and throw it out there for people to like or hate. And uh, it's just a, a spontaneous uh, uh, act for me for playing music. And so, right, I knew you guys were there, so here comes attackers, attackers oh, was, of the flag. <laughs> and last year, last year, uh, you and I have been together a billion times, but last year you yes. you performed at the Arnold Palmer Invitational presented by MasterCard at Bay Hill uh, at the dinner. I was actually hosting the dinner, and I had the – honor of introducing you and sat down right it was a small room maybe 400 people but most so many people were more interested in having a cocktail or or getting a slice of beef off the off the buffet rather than sitting listening to bruce hornsby and we just had the greatest (laughs) laugh at that because you you carried on like the pro you are well, I, I knew I was going to be playing for the indifferent 80 people. So, <laughs> so you know, I, 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 I'm used to that. And you know what? I just always, in my head, I just think, remember the money. I mean, these gigs, these gigs are, I, I've always, I've, these gigs are not about art, and, and they can be bad for the soul, as I always say. But, uh, but often, often there, I'll, I'll, I'll come up upon a rapt audience. And that's fantastic. That's just beautiful. But, but probably more, probably sixty percent of the time, it's more like at the Arnold Palmer event where they couldn't give a rat's ass about it. And look, I and I can't get but so bummed about it because they didn't. They're not there for me. They didn't pay to see me. Uh, if that sort of thing happens at my own concert, I stop and I just say my standard line is. I'm sorry, but one of two things is going to happen here. Either you're going to be quiet or I'm going to be quiet. And my true <laughs> fans love it. My true fans love it when I do that because they, they're bummed with the people talking as well. So that doesn't happen very often in my sort of <laughs> pay-to-play concerts. But, yes, Arnie, the Bay Hill classic, was one of those. I did the Bay Hill when Arnie was still around a few years ago and had the best time with him. I mean, what a, we had the best I could tell, uh, yeah, I, I have a great story, but I won't tell it here. I'll tell it to you in private. <laughs> funny, true, funny well, but not I, for the, everyone. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the times we're in right now, it's, it's pretty interesting. I listen to, I'm a huge, 
huge fan of you personally, but I love your music, obviously, the way it is, and Mandolin Rain, the, sh- the, the one of the songs that I played. You don't even know yeah. this. I had this on my playlist, and I think I, maybe I told you, but the song The Show Goes On to me yeah. uh, was always an important thing for me, whether I missed the cut or I made the cut, I played well, I played poorly. It didn't matter because to me that basically – told me that, hey, the show goes on no matter what. And I think the time we're in right now with this crazy coronavirus, um, mm-hmm. I think it, it's, it speaks to that. And, and the other song that I love is uh, one I, I, you and I have talked about many times, and we share the love of this song with Bill Walton, the great NBA Hall of Fame legend, uh, Standing on the Moon. And I, I yeah, think well, that's, about that's, a, that's the Grateful Dead song. It's a fantastic. It's a Grateful song. Dead song. I know that, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah. I I love to listen to your version. But yeah, I, yeah. I I talked mm-hmm. to Walton about this, and we talk about the crazy times that we go through on this planet. And I always think about the song "Standing on the Moon," looking back at what's going on on the planet Earth, and tr- always remembering to keep things in perspective with what is happening. And I think now more than ever is something that we we have to think about that. Yeah, we're in an unprecedented times. There's, there's no there's no comparison. People compare it to 9/11, but it's it's totally different and affects the world, of course, much more than that did. Um, so yeah, we're we're down here social socially distant, as you know. You've been to my house a few times, and it's out in the woods, and so it's not. I I kind of uh, I, I self quarantine pretty much for my life because I'm kind of a hermit, and I'll just pretty much stay down here working on music in various uh, in various ways. So I'm, my life has not changed too much. Uh, we have, it's, good, it's good. Again, I said that Heidi and Keith are here, so that's good for them to be uh, away from people. So, yeah, we're just trying to, to do, what, uh, do what we're told in that way. Uh, but it's very strange, very difficult. I was going to go over and visit my mom. She's 92, and she's, she's fairly much bedridden. And, and we're thinking, well, but her, her, her caretaker just... Uh, got some sort of bug and and so we're we're going okay maybe not today you know so yeah precautionary measures abound and uh that's so yeah this is the new normal at least for now and who knows what's happening i've had tons of gigs canceled i know the pga tour is on sort of indefinite hiatus isn't that true yeah yeah we're all shut down for right now for the foreseeable future Yeah. yeah Yeah, so I, I, was supposed, I was supposed to be in I was supposed to be in Meridian, Mississippi last night, in Oxford, Mississippi the night before, and tonight's supposed to be in Decatur, Alabama, playing solo concerts, uh, where I'd probably play another one of your favorites, Fortunate Son. So that's another <laughs> well, that's, Jacobson favorite. That is also <laughs> I was going to get to that Fortunate Son, which is that's that's really that might be in my top five favorite songs of all time that you wrote, and I love the yeah. the. Uh, uh, the, the uh, in, in concert, you back in that with Pink Floyd's "Comfortably Numb," and yeah, that's uh, right. I, I just love that that integration. I guess you'd call that. Um, is that what you call that when you put two songs together? What What do you? Yeah, well, just, what do you, you artists just call that? I don't know. I would just call it a medley of songs, or, you know, where you just. Uh, and, 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 but it, it's very. It's a very natural combination for me because here's here's the, the story of the genesis of fortunate son so in 1992 i was uh, i was working a lot with robbie robertson the great leader of the the, the, the iconic group the band and uh 
So we were, and so he asked me to help him with his band go over to Seville, Spain for a big festival called the Legends of the, of the Guitar. So there were five acts on the bill that night. There was Richard Thompson, uh, the great uh, folk singer from the UK, and uh, Roger McGuinn, great leader of the birds, Les Paul, Roger Waters, and Robbie. And, uh, and so Roger Waters was closing the concert in Seville. And so I ended up playing with four out of the five groups, everyone except Les Paul, because Richard Thompson and Roger McGuinn showed up with no band. They saw uh, Manu Cachet on drums and Tony Levin on bass. You know, Robbie doesn't fool around. He gets the best on all instruments. And, and I was on keyboard. So he asked uh, uh, McGuinn and Thompson, asked, asked, us, asked the three of us to be their band. So we did that. Then Les Paul played, and then Robbie played. Uh, uh, but about a week and a half before, I got a fax back in the fax era from Roger Waters saying, I understand you're coming over here. And I didn't know Roger Waters at all, but he'd gotten my fax number from someone. And, uh, <laughs> so he, I understand you're coming over to Robert, Robbie Robertson. I would love it if you would do a duet with me on the Pink Floyd song, Comfortably Numb. And uh, so long story short, I said yes to that. And I, but, but I learned Van Morrison's version that was later used in the, in the Scorsese movie, The Departed. Uh, he, uh, Roger Waters did a concert in Berlin at the Berlin Wall called The Wall at the Wall, something like that. And so I did that, and it was a transcendent experience seeing this with Roger Waters because it's such a great song. I didn't really know the song. Neither did Robbie. Uh, none of my friends knew it, but I learned it from the Van Morrison version. And so I got back home and said to myself, I, I, I want to write a song that gives me this feeling. So I was reading a book at the time. Uh, there's a great, the most decorated Marine from Virginia, from Saluda, Virginia, named Chesty Puller. It was in the World War II and the Korean War. And his son, Louis Puller, trying to follow in his father's footsteps, enlisted as a captain in Vietnam and went over there and got both his legs blown off. And he wrote a book about it that won a Pulitzer Prize called Fortunate Son. And so I was reading this book that <laughs> just worked out, again, serendipitously, and uh I, I, so I wrote the song out of that book with this uh, piano figure that I had lying around at the time. And it just became, it just had what was one of those je ne sais quoi, you don't know why. It, it just was, it had something special uh, right away. And uh, it's been a long time. It's one of the most requested songs at our concert. I might just have to go out and burn one, have a drink or a few. Fade away in a cloudy haze of smoke. Give the old man's best salute. Got to stare down the devil. Got to the power. funny you mentioned Roger McGuinn and this is how how crazy I find music and golf to 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 interact together so a couple of weeks ago at the aforementioned Arnold Palmer Invitational yeah, one of yeah. our great friends Mark Russell 
who is a PGA Tour rules official, he has a party. He lives in Orlando, right at Bay Hill, and he has a party every year. And the last four years, I've been going over to the party on Saturday night. And four years ago, I, I grabbed a plate, went to the buffet, and sat down with this lovely couple at a table all by themselves. And I sat down and introduced myself as one of the one of the TV people. And uh, and this this young man jumps up and says, "Hi, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Roger McGuinn." And the musical uh, 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 antenna in me went off, and I said, "Wait a minute, yeah. you're that, not the birds." He said, "Yeah, that that that's me." So we yeah. ended up talking music, and uh, I'm a guitar lover and a guitar player, and not not well, but I like to mess around with it. He went home the next thing I know because he lived next door to Mark. Uh, And he went home and got his seven-string guitar, one that he created on his own, invented this. And he sat there, and for the last four years, I've been to this party. The McGuins are there, and he brings over his guitars, and uh, he brings over one for me. And uh, my my colleagues at NBC, Jimmy Roberts and Dan Hicks, we we all play guitar, Mm -hmm. and and we play. And we play with Roger. Out under the yeah. stars, and it is so much fun. But that uh, when you brought up Roger, I, I had to share that story yeah. with you. Well, he's a beautiful guy. I've known him for years. I met him. I guess I met him there, but then I hung out with him subsequently here and there through the years. I haven't seen him in a good while. But his his, his wife's name is Camilla. Maybe is that right? Is yeah, that you know what? Yeah, yeah. I believe yeah, it's Camilla. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I I've known them for a good while, but I'd love to see him again. Yeah, great, uh, great guy. He's uh, featured in the as a Netflix uh, movie of Bob Dylan's mid seventies Rolling Thunder review, and DeGuin is a key player. It's great to see him in there, just hollering away with Dylan. Oh, he's on, he's such a sweet guy. guy. Yeah. He really is. He really is. Yeah. So that's well. Listen, I'm going to let you go because we've done more than ten minutes with Bruce. Oh, I really yeah, appreciate as you, as your time. We would. Well, as we got our way through this crazy shutdown in the world of golf and really the world of sports and the world around us, this is something to think about. We will come through this. Unless you believe the world is over and the United States is going to fail and collapse, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think you believe that too, but we will come through this at the other end. Yeah, we're going to be bruised and maybe a little bloody and have a few black eyes, but we will survive and uh, emerge at the other end. Key is to keep your spirits up, relax. Uh, Let's show kindness to each other. Let's help each other because you just never know the person next to you is probably more scared than you. They could be more scared than you. But it's it's our response to this that will define us. It will determine our short-term and our long-term. And we all know that our families need us. And that's probably the most important thing. Think of your your wife and your mom and your dad and your kids and your grandkids, your brothers and sisters, your husbands, that's that's the most important thing. They're counting on you. Michael Stipe, who is the lead singer of one of my favorite all-time bands, R.E.M., remember when they did a song called It's the End of the World? He did a little bit on, I think it was Instagram or maybe on Twitter, where he was singing that song. And um, I, I don't believe that to be true. I think it's a, it's a fun song. It's a whimsical song, but it isn't the end of the world. And in the golf world, I'm really concerned about the service organizations 
in the communities where we play and those charities that are supported by the service organizations, especially those events that have been canceled. And think about how many more events will be canceled before we get on the other side of this virus. So think about them. Think about, think about paying it forward. Do something nice for somebody. Do whatever you can. Most importantly, be safe. Be careful. Be mindful of others. But be kind. Be helpful. Be understanding. And, and remember, others may not handle this as well as you do. We're all different. We handle things differently. We face things differently. But let's all remember that as we navigate through these times and until it's over. And it will be over. That's the most important thing. We, that's what we have to focus on. As the autumn's coming in, yes, the summer's all on. Still without you, well, the show goes on. Show goes on. Yes, the time is passing, slowly passing by. Better try, try to find it for it passes you by. As I watch you walk into, into another, hold on and you keep on walking. And they keep on talking about you, they're talking all along.
that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?